Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of Fandoms, Culture, and Perhaps a Few Murders, where we discuss exactly that, Fandoms, Culture, and Perhaps a Few Murders. I am your host, Spade, and with me as always is Feline. Hello. And Alpha. Hey, hey. Today's topic of discussion is mergers and acquisitions. Reasons are usually to expand reach, raise profits, streamline operations are usually among those goals. There are, of course, pros and cons to this course of action. They can save a company from shutdown, make more profit that would increase more services. Cons could be job losses, less consumer choice, higher prices, etc. As we talk about facts and share our opinions on whether these actions are good or bad for their respective industries. I'm going to be going for the merger of Funimation and Crunchyroll. Funimation was founded in 1994 and launched a streaming service Funimation Now in 2016. Crunchyroll started as a streaming site in 2006. It was taken over by AT&T in 2014. Sony grabbed a majority stake in Funimation a few years later. On August 2021, Funimation acquired Crunchyroll for $1.75 billion, billion dollars, merging the largest cachet of anime from Sony and AT&T respectively. The Department of Justice had probed the deal with the worry that it may create a monopoly, but finding that other streaming services and companies such as you know Netflix, Hulu, Prime, um, Amazon Prime were investing heavily in the genre as well, they just did not to be the case. Many have noted that this merger represents a big shift in the size and structure of the anime industry itself. Both of these companies have been, have been top of the game for licensing not just anime, but live action dramas and other TV series from not only Japan, but, but Korea, China, and as well as other countries. Funimation bringing this content for not just US audiences, but also Canada, UK, Ireland, Australia, Mexico, Brazil, and New Zealand, while Crunchyroll's content is available to nearly 170,000 countries. With anime being the third most in-demand TV subgenre globally, the number of new anime series produced in Japan alone has increased annually by over 50% from when Dragon Ball Z first premiered on Tsunami Block back in 2001. Now, side note, I, I know and I understand I'm just as old as some of y'all that saw anime back before Tsunami happened, back when we were doing Saturday morning cartoons and shit. It's my favorite time. And believe you me, I understand how it feels when the young like to try to claim shit that's this, theirs now. But no, this shit was popping when I was younger too, bitch. Not that I have any strong feelings on the matter. Anyway, with its clear growth from niche obscurity to mainstream popularity, streaming giants like Netflix and Hulu have been spending millions not only snatching up existing and older anime, but also creating new anime and anime-inspired original content. With all this in mind, licensing fees have been inflated, which some have been quoted to be upwards of $250,000 per episode. Of course, competitive licensing fees help maintain studios, support creators, and fund new projects. But with Funny Roll, which is what I'm calling now, it lessens the buyers, but amps the buying power, giving them a leg up in negotiations for licensing fees. As a side note, Netflix circumvents that and pumps money directly into studios or established producer budgets to get their anime's original content, allowing the directors more freedom. I honestly want the money to go to not just the creators of the anime, but the underpaid animators, the translators, and other people of the creation and production staff that breathe the life and nuances into, the, into our favorite animes. I understand the culture and the work ethic is different from ours, but the time they put into these pieces of art are worth the money they should be paid. On Twitter, people were saying their condolences to the people who find their jobs duplicated due to the merger, or how they have a monopoly on anime in the West and will exude their power over anime artists and authors. What do you think? I'm thinking that there should be something done for anime artists because that's long overdue. 
Yeah, just like how a lot of video game companies are being heavily looked at and made to reform for crunch culture and the like, they need to do something like that for artists because they, of course, have their own crunch culture and it's pretty serious. It's like 18-hour workdays or something like that. Yeah. Right, and like, and I guess some of their, their work culture is like, they'll have naps in the center of the day, but like that's still one 20, 30-minute nap in a 12-hour shift. I know that it's been catching a lot of crap over here for gaming crunch culture, but of course that's, you know, uh, an American thing where we have these laws protecting us from being overworked or being exploited for, you know, business gain and such. So there's laws protecting us from it. They don't necessarily have that over there, but they do need to have some sort of reform that's similar because we're talking about animators who are sitting there with pens, pencils, flipping however many pages just to draw a slight movement of a wrist, of a hand, a wink of an eye. And that takes hours and it takes a lot of craft and a fine eye to do. And, yes. you know, it, they should be taken care of in some, you know, some way, somehow. This has been like the animators, the creators, the, the cell drawists, all of that, all of them have been so underpaid and overworked that it's been joked about even from when I was a kid. Excel Saga, its whole premise, the whole premise of Excel Saga is they don't know what the fuck to do with the anime and they have a time crunch. So there are random scenes where they cut back to the animes and like, oh my god, what are we going to do? Alright, this one failed, so let's do this instead. And they're like, how exhausted they'll look on some of the things. But it's such a thing that it's an accepted culture for them to be that run out and run down that they even joke about it in the anime that they produce. We have our own laws because we're a different country, but because we benefit from the work of like Japanese animators and people who work overseas creating games and other content that we consume. I know this might be like crossing over into a different conversation about like where boundaries happen when it comes to like laws and stuff, but if we're accepting their product, they should be protected under the same like means. At least when it makes sense on a humane level, like if you're not able to sleep or eat because you're doing nothing but working, that's not healthy for anyone, no matter what country you reside in. Pay people better. And that's the thing too, because people are complaining online about some of the Netflix content that it's not kind of like anime, when in fact it's them producing it from Japan, it's created by anime. Just because it doesn't look typical, like they're doing more like CG type animation stuff, like that boxing anime, I forget what it's called. The boxing uh, one that has like used mechanics and shit on their backs as well for the fighting. Uh, I, f I know it, it's on the tip of my tongue, it starts with like a K or something. It looks like it, I think it's a K, I don't know. But I know, like that, but that, like one of the ones that's produced in an Asian country, that was one of the qualifications that ticks off for a fucking anime. So I don't understand people are like, well, that's not anime when it actually is. It's Netflix funding people, other anime that's outside of the box because you can't keep feeding people the same stuff that they want because they get tired of it. I mean, how many people are bypassing good isekai animes because they're tired of fucking isekais? Everything in their grandma was an isekai, and that fucking soliloquy is a name. Yeah. Just because they Netflix fucked up on those live actions doesn't mean that they fuck up in the anime. Because people liked a lot of the anime that's put out. And even then, if the people liked the shit anime that they produced, it would still introduce new people to anime. It gets people who didn't think, like, the what is it, the Jaden Smith anime that was out? I don't remember what it was called, but I remember it. But you know what I'm talking about, yeah. yeah. So that, that was out. People were like, people were watching, oh, it's Jaden Smith, why not? And those are people who have never watched anime before. 
and they're just like oh shit this is pretty dope anime has stories like storylines like this or anime has action like this so they have fighting like this or they have this like this and it gets them interested and it helps create a foothold so people fucking hate anime so just because it's not for you it doesn't have to be only for you there's a lot of typically animated animes that actually use cgi a lot like let's say a wide pan shot where you have a bunch of non-characters filling up a town a lot of them when you look are usually like cgi because i guess it's easier for them maybe mm. or like certain types of movements they'll make cgi not all of them but like i watch one of the more recent Probably episodes more complicated to draw than it is so cgi will have automatic movement set for something a pre-program so when the character does it it'll be able to flow better so i think that's what it is if it helps it helps yeah exactly especially when you're drawing a bunch of like random faces in a crowd i don't love all cgi in anime but if it makes their jobs easier then i get it we don't need you to draw hand draw every single character in the background who i'm not even paying attention to anyway but also right. and let's be real ruby was dope yeah also, because of how popular it's become, you would think that they have m enough money to be able to pay their animators much better and more fairly. It seems like they want to keep the culture the same because it maximizes profit while not you know, increasing their expenses. Now, Netflix being a huge conglomerate has not escaped any criticism for them jumping into the anime space. A lot of people are expecting that Netflix will improve conditions. Netflix has to set an example because they're now in a position to not only have the spotlight on them, but to kind of shed light on what goes on over there. But I understand that they may not want to step on toes because they need those same animators and they don't want to alienate the country that is going to be producing this content for them because it's not like they actually have American animators going to pick up the slack for this, you know what I mean? And right. Netflix, for the faults of Death Note, and more recently, <laughs> Cowboy Bebop's live action adaptations. They, of course, as, as you know, and she knows, that they were not the first nor the last to mess up a live action adaptation. Can we think Avatar, The Last Airbender, or Dragon Ball, anyone? Oof, that Dragon Ball. Those movies hurt my feelings. But I was reading in, in a couple articles that I read to, to bone up on this. It was stating that because Netflix was circumventing, anime distribution is stuff set up by committee. And when you bypass the committee, the committee is one that sets up the fees. So with the fees hitting as high as they are, when you circumvent those and go directly to the studios, when I was reading the articles, people in Japan were, the, the studios were excited about that stuff and sit there and hope for Netflix to come and check them out. All I'm gonna say is that I'm just waiting for the new Devil May Cry anime that's supposed to be on there, and I hope it's good. I need some Overlord episodes out now, and I need for them to make more uh, James uh, Moriarty the Patriot. I want another XL saga just to be fucking goofy. Well, Overlord's next season is almost close to releasing soon. Mm, I can't wait. It's going to be so good. Crunchyroll and Funimation are really the only apps that are built for anime distribution in the West. Outside of Netflix's own original content, which they would clearly stream on their own Hulu, Amazon, HBO Max, those don't produce anime content. They only pay to license the right to stream services through their apps right. just to get that tangent of the population to have a reason to subscribe to their apps in the first place. So they don't have necessarily as much invested in anime's expansion or arrival as Crunchyroll, Funimation, and High Dive would. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, and they'll only sit there and license some specific to certain places that they have contracts. The the popular like ones too, for that matter. Network. Right, and then the popular ones, they'll try to get the most popular ones that are active now, and then they'll sit there and have uh, uh, connections with Anime Network, and I know there was a, one more anime side, it was like Anime Me or some shit like that, and like those are limited with their licenses and stuff like that, but even then, HBO has very limited access to those things, because you wouldn't be able to look up everything from Anime Network. I don't think they have a dog in this fight, simply because... They are only paying for the right to distribute certain things, whereas it's actually the lifeblood of the apps for Funimation and Crunchyroll. So technically, that money to help anime expansion and to possibly make conditions better for their workforce would really be coming from them. It's it's only going to be from them. Until Netflix yeah. actually acknowledges that anime makes up a huge part of their streaming success, will they actually seriously invest actual cash in changing the culture there but that's what i'm saying they have been they've been like all the new shit that they have in there whether it's a lot of new shit or a little new shit they're they're single-handedly the only ones circumventing the the committee to actually put money directly into the studios to produce stuff and anime is a good chunk of what they're hoping for because they wouldn't put millions into it as they do right now well they're putting millions into it because one they have a lack of content because disney took their marvel and fox properties from them so really is it them trying to invest in the survival of themselves by making sure that they pay for those things that's what it sounds like more especially since initially when they announced their anime intentions they weren't outright doing that until they were called out on it as far as other mergers and acquisitions go of course recently enough in the past several years we've had the gaming industry seem to consolidate as far back as 2014 microsoft decided to buy mojang the producers of minecraft and they bought mojang for 2.5 billion dollars and upon the acquisition in the deal closing out all three founders of mojang left now i don't know that could be construed as either a positive or a negative thing due to the acquisition i mean they haven't said anything negative about microsoft's acquisition they believe that microsoft is going to do a wonderful job taking care of the property and so on they confirmed that non-xbox versions of the game would be actively developed and supported, which they have been. They bought Zenimax, which were the owners of Bethesda, for $8.1 billion. They confirmed that it will run as a separate business, adding to Xbox Game Studios, bringing that total number to 23 at that time. And they said that they will honor all existing deals, and all those franchises that belong to Zenimax, Bethesda, will be automatically added to Game Pass, which you know is their gaming service in which all you have to do is pay a fee to be able to play any title that they offer unlimited. In January of 2021, Nintendo jumped into the acquisition game by buying next level games. The amount of course was not disclosed. They don't tend to tell you, you know, what they spend on what they buy. However, Next Level and Nintendo have had a long relationship as they've developed games for them for more than a decade, dating back to Super Mario Strikers for the GameCube in 2005, all the way to their most recent project, which was Luigi's Mansion 3 in 2019. The owners and the directors of Next Level Games at the time had stated that they felt like it was the right time to sell their shares. So all that's going to do is continue that fruitful partnership, kind of reinforcing the franchises and the developer relationship that they've already had for a decade. In January of this year, Take-Two Interactive bought Zynga for $12.7 Zynga adds 
a strong mobile arm to take to his console of business. So they're bringing franchises like Farmville, Words with Friends, and the With Friends franchise, combining it with GTA and RDR. And so that gives take to a very, very strong presence in the mobile space, which means that in the future, will we see some of their major franchises have mobile spinoffs? And if they do, would you play it? What would the quality be? Any mobile version of a legit console game always feels weak. Like, just by default, it's going to be weak. Oh, that Skyrim one was rough. There is a Devil May Cry 4 game, and just by default, it's going to be inferior. Like, trying to play a legitimate game on an app version is just not going to be the same. Right. Well, you know, built-in limitations and such on a smaller system, so to speak, you know? Yeah. And, of course, recently Activision Blizzard got acquired by Microsoft for $68.7 billion. And since Activision Blizzard had previously acquired King, who was the makers of the uber-popular Candy Crush series, now gives... Xbox a mobile arm too, which means will Microsoft develop some of their franchise titles for mobile also? Because as we've seen, mobile games have increased year after year in sales because the average person who commutes is usually on their phone either reading an, an ebook, watching videos, or playing mobile games. Sure enough. I mean, Blizzard is part of that, right? Mm-hmm. And Blizzard already has this foot in the mobile space because they mm-hmm. have lots of like little things. Well, that's probably the reason why Blizzard had bought King in order to increase their mobile strength with their presence and probably bring a lot of their um, franchises over. But Hearth- they haven't yet as far Hearthstone as Hearthstone is them, right? And Hearthstone's popular and probably makes a lot of money. We've seen tons of ads, you know, when you're waiting on YouTube videos. You see the ads for like uh, Age of Empires and those types of games. Also in the gaming space, Sony in the, in the past year had acquired Bluepoint, Fire Sprite, Nix's, Housemark, and Insomniac, all of which are developers that they were working with for years on past titles. And they bolstered their first party support by acquiring these smaller franchise making developers. Speaking of like Sony though, they have Funimation and Crunchyroll, right? Yep. So besides Sony already being the ones who primarily made all the anime kinds of games now they'll have even stronger sway in that department and they honestly could though they might not need to since they already have like a pretty exclusive partnership with square enix who makes those kinds of games as well as making other games that they develop that they have a really good working relationship with sony and it's rumored that They tend to prefer working with them to produce titles for, which would explain some of the exclusivity deals like Final Fantasy being released on uh, PlayStation consoles a year before it came to Xbox. Now, could they make a potential acquisition of Square Enix or Capcom in the future? It's always possible, but it's highly unlikely given the fact that they don't have as deep a pockets as Microsoft does. However, I feel like there are ways around being able to get deals like that done and made. But the question is that, would you find that to be good for business, that these bigger companies eat the smaller ones, even if it is to increase relationships or to bring exclusive rights to their particular platforms? I don't know anything about business, but I've always had like the idea 
that if I'm a smaller studio, but I make something super popular, like Mojang made Minecraft and that shit's everywhere. Not just like with YouTubers and kids playing it, but like merchandise now, that shit too. That's everywhere. They're making a good amount of money from that. That's a hit. Now, if a big corporation is approaching me like Microsoft saying like, hey, we want to buy you, that tells me that I got something that you want and it's valuable enough for you to be approaching me and trying to make this deal and offering me whatever amount of money you're offering me. I know they give you a large sum of money at once and that's always tempting, but if you kept it for yourself for as long as Minecraft has been a thing and still popular, would you not be making that much money on your own anyway without having to pay a different company a slice of your pie? The flip side of that is that you're not just the only person in that company. So even though they're buying your company from you, there's still all the people underneath you that have been working with you, the same creative minds, et cetera, help create and develop whatever it is that that company is interested in. And if you allow them to gobble you up, they're gobbling up the people that work for you because you're no longer accountable for them. And then after that, their positions will get replaced, removed, or they'll be shuffled somewhere else. And they're no longer doing what they wanted to do or they're, you know, either lost their job because there's somebody else in another department in that same conglomerate that does a different job than you do and they think they're just going to funnel what you do to that person. Or like companies like to sit there and be like, they'll have you train the person who's replacing you type shit. Yeah. And that happens too. So it's not just you that they're buying and they're not just buying the brand and the game, they're buying the people, they're buying the jobs. And there's always that to consider too. And I'm one of those motherfuckers who'd be like, all right, I'll sell the company. I don't give a damn. But that's some, I'm, I'm aware enough to know that that's something that can happen. I'm a big picture person, so I think of all things considered before making a big movement. Like y'all started in someone's homie's basement while y'all were playing landline, land games and shit. You know what I'm saying? If that's the type of culture that you've created within your company growing it up, and you'll become big because of this one game and it's, it's there and opens up opportunities, you then can sit there and get rid of all those opportunities just to have a company buy you out. That seems to bolster what she was saying about holding on to the business because if you have the big picture of knowing that things can change and when a corporate arm comes in, things are going to change from the way that you worked for you and the culture of your studio, unless you negotiated to have everything still be the same and you still run that show. If you are able to secure a deal like that and get financial security for you and your team, then it would behoove you to take it into serious consideration. When the company is sold, tell them y'all get to do whatever the hell it is you want to do with this money. But after that, if y'all want to stick with the company, it's going to be up to Microsoft. It's going to be up to Disney. It's going to be up to whatever company ate you up. And there, they will never, ever sign anything that would guarantee personnel, ever. If they do, it'd be for like a 90-day clause or something to see if they can handle their level of standard, even though they're happy with the level of standard that you all created for this game. It's going to be a whole nother low because then you're telling the other company that they can't sit there, that they have to adjust their personnel. And they're not going to like that shit. They're not going to co-sign for that shit. If they're not going to co-sign on it, they can easily sit there and say, oh, no, sorry, we decline your offer. You're still in a position of power to negotiate whatever it is that you want to negotiate. And if you do not want to give up the culture that you've established, then you don't have to. The fact of the matter is they came to you for a reason. And if they came for, to you for a reason, they like what you did. And then the only thing they could possibly want to do is make some changes on the way perhaps it's distributed, the way that it's being developed. And those things are fine, but those are conversations that you can have with the person who owns it. But... If you're not going to play ball, then they don't need to buy you and you don't need to sell them. I just feel like if I have something 
I know someone else wants, and they're making it very clear they want it, that automatically puts you in a position of power. Absolutely. So you can negotiate as best as you can, and if they don't want to meet your requirements, then you can full on say no, and then they miss out and you get to keep your cash cow anyway. Now, on the other side of that though, when you do turn down the security of a major corporation, which is, this is what the deal is for the most part, it's you getting a huge payout and your company existing forever as long as this company, the bigger company's in control. The fact of the matter is, is that you could say no and then take the chance to run your business how you have. But that doesn't guarantee that the way you're running it and with the times changing, business changing, things like the pandemic that clearly alter business, whether or not the way you run things remains solvent for another 5, 10, 15 years. That's something you have to also take into account, which is why having the security of a corporation would be something that you would have to consider besides knowing the fact that you own something that's a cash cow. Well, in general, yes. But if we're specifically talking about something like Minecraft, that's I don't feel like is going anywhere. I don't think it's going to be something where their security will be in question, especially since they fucking sell merchandise to go along with this shit. Toys, shirts, all that. Which is still built on the fact that the game had to be popular to begin with. But that's what I mean. Because we know it was popular before mm-hmm. they were bought, mm-hmm. that security was kind of built in. Yeah, but you do know that for number long... one, you're only as number one until someone else comes and does something better. Well, no which one can has. O- which can only anybody could. Nobody's really jumped into their space like that. I'd say the only competition, and it's not really competition, but the only thing that's similar to it is Roblox. And clearly that's a different demographic, of course. But I'm saying that all it takes is for another franchise to do something that you're doing, but do it better and do it in a different way. And you could lose millions of users. It's, in a way, you know, it's limited. thing is, though, like, no one is doing what Minecraft's doing. There might be some sandbox games that are somewhat similar, but none of them have reached the same level. And the type of game that Minecraft is, they don't really need a sequel. You can play that game as many times as you want, and it will be new, or as new as it can be, because you're literally building shit from the ground up each time. There's also that, too. You have to continuously support these communities, and if you eventually stop because, you know, all servers end for things. Minecraft is not going to last forever. It seems like it has. It seems like it's going to. I mean, you but can the play fact offline, matters, though, yeah, and still get the yeah, same but, but, experience. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. Again, less and less people play titles that have been around, you know, longer and longer. I mean, World of Warcraft has been around for, like, what, 20-plus years? And their numbers of actual active users have gone up and down. Somewhere they dropped off so significantly, it was thought, oh, you know, are they losing their luster? And then there are times where they get boosted. So things like that are going to happen. But nobody stays number one forever. Nobody has a, a server that lasts for a long time. So you know it's it's always until the next big thing comes. That's all. Yeah, but a game like that is more, much more niche than well, Minecraft yeah. is. Which is what helps. Uh, you know, is the, the niche of a particular thing helps. But again, something else, niche could come along and just take the interest from you, even if it's not in your same genre. Because like Minecraft is enough of a blank slate where it's sort of... It can be appealing enough to anyone because you're doing what you want in it. Speaking of the acquisition though, that can only either improve or be a, a detriment to those fan bases. It means that World of Warcraft might come to other consoles and that will open a whole nother world for them. It would. 
But they also, the other thing is, do they really have to though? Because World of Warcraft is mainly what PC based, right? And then you can play it on Xbox uh, now, but Microsoft makes their trillion dollar war chest off of just anything having to do with PC. So technically, for a franchise like that, they could just keep it Microsoft in terms of Xbox and then whatever PC you play it on because they already got that PC pie. They've been having it for a long time. And instead of that profit going to Activision, it now comes to Microsoft. So not only do they get like a bigger piece of that pie from microtransactions, you can now add this to consoles, like you say, and that brings an extra revenue stream. But they don't necessarily have to put it to PlayStation because they already have the big market on PC. Now, if they want it on console, they can just put on an Xbox and they'd be just as fine. Now, smaller franchises, I feel like those, they would have to do multi-platform even if they don't really want to because a lot of people will play and give you that revenue stream because not everybody's going to go out and spend four or $500 on a, on a new console just to play one franchise. No, don't mistake it. There are definitely that audience that will, but a majority of them won't do that. So they'll find other ways to do it, whether it's just through PC or just, you know, playing an old iteration on, on, a, on a previous console. I don't feel like World of Warcraft is a game that would really benefit from being on a console. It seems like the best platform or setup is probably like a keyboard setup, so just for that kind of game. So just leaving it where it is should probably be fine. Yeah, I don't know how many key commands would be involved in uh, World of Warcraft that never played that or League of Legends or anything like that. So yeah, I wouldn't know. My topic for companies heating up of other companies is the Goliath that is Disney. Well, Disney is not technically a monopoly as according to the legal definition of a monopoly, which is the exclusive possession of a market by a single supplier. So like they would literally have to be the only person producing any type of entertainment media, which they're obviously not. So the fact that there's still other companies around like Sony, like Amazon, like Warner Brothers, means that by definition, it's automatically not a monopoly. But it still feels concerning that Disney has so much power when you think about like just the names and brands that they have. Disney by itself is a pretty fucking powerful name to throw around, you know? People fear the mighty Disney name. Disney has like stranglehold type contracts on their talent and they don't play. And you can't cuss while you're under the Disney name. Like they have ironclad type contracts because you can't play around. Let alone the people who have to be inside of the costumes in Disney World. That's a whole nother fucking thing. Oh yeah, they're not allowed to like break character or nothing. Not even a little. So just Disney by itself. It's a money making company. You have all the Disney princesses automatically money toys all the movies costumes clothing anything that features the characters at all they're making money off of that they're printing money yeah they have money period but now when you get into like what they actually added to themselves i'm gonna give a little timeline of purchases that they've made they bought the muppets in 2004 for 75 million they bought pixar meaning everything that pixar has made in 2006 for 7.4 billion. They bought Marvel in 2009 for 4 million. Lucasfilm with Star Wars and all that shit attached to it in 2012 for 4.6 billion. And most recently, they bought Fox in 2019 for 71.3 billion. Ooh, money. 
Yeah, they're spending a shit ton of money, but it's because they can afford to in the first place. All the shit in returns that they're getting. Muppets, Pixar, Marvel, Lucasfilm, which is Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Fox, and everything that Fox has. So the amount of IPs they have is ridiculous. Of course, every TV show, past, present, future shit. The entire MCU, Marvel has so many characters attached to it. And with recently getting Fox, that means now they have the X-Men and the Fantastic Four, which was like a missing piece of that that they didn't have prior. But now mm -hmm. they can benefit from. The Simpsons they have, Alien and Predator, Die Hard, Family Guy, American Horror Story. They own Queen's music catalog. And now they're starting to dip Ooh. into Broadway musical stuff, like doing Hamilton and In the Heights. Oh yeah. And technically, I believe they have West Side Story because Fox was doing it. They're coming for the Latin community. Yeah. You don't only watch the Mundo, motherfucker. <laughs> and that's the thing too, they really are trying to like diversify their product, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I do feel like specifically from them, it's to be making more money to be dipping still, into the pockets, reaching into the pockets of people that they weren't really thinking about before. They're still chauvinists because they don't have a Louisa doll by herself. And I want a Louisa doll by herself. You have to buy the whole multi-pack to get a Louisa doll. You can't buy her solo. Every other doll you can buy solo except for Louisa. That crazy stat is like from a year to year basis, if we're just talking about movie releases, they would account for 70% of the top 10 movies that releases per week per month per year that sounds like monopoly i know it's not technically but like when one company is making 70 percent of like theater revenue from their films because most of the fucking movies that are coming out are by them by some sort of extension whether it is pixar whether it is fox now or whatever they're getting yeah. all these so that's not really competition the way you know when you're breaking it down to like zeros and dollar signs. The most significant competitors that they have would be Viacom, who has Nickelodeon, MTV, and Paramount under their belt, Warner Bros, which has HBO, CW, DC Comics, Cartoon Network, which is also significant, Comcast, which has Universal, Illumination, and DreamWorks, Amazon, of course, Netflix, with all their original stuff, and Sony, who is still holding on to Spider-Man, and they better not let go. <laughs> they better not let go. Now that this movie has made them over a billion dollars at the box office, it's probably pretty safe to say that Sony has no intention of letting go of Spider-Man. I like Tom Holland and Spider-Man, I'm just saying. Companies that they also own now include ABC, Touchstone Pictures, 67% of Hulu, with Comcast rumored to sell their remaining share to Disney in the near future. Who on Comcast? Which means that they would then probably own all of Hulu and 80% of ESPN. Oof. I would, again, just gonna throw the word monopoly around. I would say they were probably, in terms of child entertainment, like movies for kids, TV shows, cartoons, Disney definitely had the hold on that. There's not really any names or characters that come to mind that are as strong as anyone from the Disney catalog. And even then, it'd be like, maybe SpongeBob as like the next strongest character when it comes to like movies, his show and merchandise. Right. And that's outside of Bugs Bunny. But like, you have a whole catalog of princesses and all that. And now superheroes, 
to add to that. That alone is making them so much money because of all the purchases they've made. The fact that they have like American Horror Story, the fact that they're that they have Alien and Predator, they're like reaching into the corners that weren't theirs and trying to make them theirs. Like now, adult films or adult oriented films and stuff, Disney's making a good cut of that genre from those franchises from those franchises and any future franchises that are going to come out because there's supposed to be another predator on the way right mm-hmm. pray say were we literally talking the other day about uh what was it south park that did the mickey mouse thing yes like do i own that one <laughs> not yet he's a not yet sir I was. I had a picture in my mind when she was talking about the acquisitions of them having a, a strong foothold in the children demographic, and I was picturing in my head at that moment, you're a child just tucked away in bed, sleeping peacefully. Mickey's eyes and ears are at the end of the bed, kind of peering over, you know? Like, yeah. Slowly rising up. Yeah. But you just see the tip of the two black round things, and you're like, what yep. the fuck? Yep. Just, before he crashed, you hear a woohoo. <laughs> It is funny though, because honestly, there isn't that many IPs out there in the children's entertainment that is virtually recognizable as Disney. But Warner Brothers is really the only other competition that can pose a threat to them as far as the entertainment space goes, followed by Sony with their franchises and Paramount and such, because, you know, Star Trek still belongs to Viacom. Whereas Disney has Star Wars. So before that, Disney didn't really have a space in the sci-fi genre until they bought Lucasfilm. And now they have Predator. Yeah. And that's the thing, too. Is like we, we always knew that Disney had touch-tone pictures back in the 90s because they were the ones who funded Nightmare Before Christmas, which released on that because they believed that the content that Burton was bringing in that film was a little too dark for their name. So they just outsourced it to their subsidiary. It's funny how it's too dark for their name, but their money's not too dark for them. They want to keep it. No, the green is just as good. Them buying Hulu or wanting to buy the remaining share of ownership from Comcast in Hulu makes sense because it's still keeping in line with their MO, which is family-friendly stuff gets shown on Disney+, and any adult-oriented content can be on Hulu. It's just a subsidiary of them. Yeah, because now, like you said, now they have a foothold in sci-fi. They have some foothold in action films because Die Hard and Indiana Jones. They have some adult comedy things like Family Guy and Simpsons. And now they kind of have some like darker stuff like American Horror Story. And even they have, I don't believe they own all of National Geographic, but they have a good share in it, which means they even get documentary type shit. They're literally trying to get every kind of demographic that there is. They're even supposed to be trying to dip into the anime market, like trying to create their own stuff to get a slice of that, too. I mean, I don't know if I like Disney's fucking version of any type of anime or Disney sponsored anime because Disney has too much of a of their finger, too much micromanaging into their shit. Like you, they have a standard that they would force the anime to have to stand by. And that would take away from what it is and what some of the anime is for. And they'd have to do kids-only anime, like Slice of Life type stuff. Yeah. But, again, to keep in mind, if they are going to majority own Hulu, and Hulu's got a good amount of anime series that are on there for streaming, it could be a positive that if Disney wants to get into the anime business, that they could probably step away from micromanaging 
in that regard because hey we're not putting it on disney plus it'll be on hulu so it'll be okay in terms of disney making shrewd business moves obviously if you're a big multinational conglomerate and you had weaknesses in particular genres of course you'd want to fortify your foothold in those or establish one that is because clearly before acquiring predator and before acquiring star wars i don't recall anything that disney had tried to do in terms of sci-fi that was successful you know action is kind of hit or miss because anybody can make an action movie but i mean tons of action movies come out on dvd all the time that have no wide distribution or funding but they get made just like horror movies cheaply get made all the time too but Disney didn't have any horror movies that they tried to do so there these genres are things that they want to do like raunchy adult stuff like Family Guy and American Dad is stuff that clearly they had a weakness in so them buying somebody else who excels in those is a good business move I just don't think they need it but again it's a good business move to expand your portfolio. Yeah, because I mean, already with Pixar by itself, when they acquired Pixar, they ate up the only other like kind of animated children's movie competitor. And they get to benefit from the work that they were able to do with a lot of their like CGI and all three-dimensional animation. And they benefit from their work. And that's the thing too. They bought Pixar because at the time they were pumping out some movies like Bolt and that was not as received as well. So they tried doing 3D computer animation and they failed at it. And when they failed at some of the releases that they did do, what did they do? They bought Pixar. And then after having them under their umbrella, being able to walk in and see their processes, they came out with their own 3D animated movies that then became successful. Without the acquisition of Pixar and being able to see how they run their operations, would there be a Frozen? Would there be a Zootopia? Would there definitely wouldn't be an Encanto, I'll tell you that. So, so them doing the animated 3D arm is because they were weak at it. So they bought their only company in town that did that better than they did. And they learned from it. See, that kind of feels a little predatory. Like, I get the idea is to be good at like, whatever you're trying to do mm-hmm. and to sort of pad yourself against any weaknesses you do have. But, like, you bought them because you couldn't do it. And now you know their secret recipe and you're kind of doing... You're pumping out hits now. Yeah. That's not a coincidence. Yeah. And you already were like making your own hits in your corner. Yeah. In your actual hand-drawn animation. Yeah. Disney has been catching some shit about having released the last three major Pixar movie releases. Not even in theaters. They've been releasing it straight to Disney+. Plus. Now a lot of fans are looking at that as some sort of denigration of Pixar's content. Because Pixar does high quality animation. Why are they not getting the prime release in theaters? It's been explained away as because they've put up huge streaming numbers on Disney Plus of Pixar's content when it's been released on there, on top of there being a unsettled movie-going audience because of the the um, pandemic and all of its variants. I mean, Disney's net worth as of this month is one hundred and forty billion dollars. Ooh, baby. And that's before they even raise prices at their theme parks in the next month or so. Yeah, they're set to... I just need 10 million. I just need 10 million. <laughs> I, don't I just need 10 million. I can make my own business, provide my own, start my own shit. Like, oh, I got ideas. They got endless resources, so it seems. Yeah, I'm saying. I'm saying. Yeah, so this is the Disney's brand alone is worth $19 billion. <laughs> with 40 theme parks 
across the country and in other countries as well. And as he said, admission prices set to go up in March of this year. I feel like the Japanese and the Chinese have better theme parks. They had Mario theme park and there was shit that you could have like a little watch that you just hit like certain stuff at each uh, island set that they have, each little exhibit and stuff. And at the end you get to do shit and it's dope. And I was like, as a, as a grown ass adult over the age of 30, I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> do all of that. And I'll be seeing some of these theme parks and I'm just like, I want to do it all. Yeah, the Travel Channel, if you want to sponsor me going to every theme park across the world, I'm down for it. Sponsor me, Travel Channel. I want to go to all these theme parks. Even Universal Studios has been touted by fans as being a better theme park than Disney. And they're right across the pond from them or whatever. Yeah, they've also received flack for the fact that they continue to increase price admissions for their theme parks while also taking away or not having their theme parks working in full capacity. Like they don't have all of the um, usual... The active. Yeah, not all the rides active, not all the little events. Again, partially due to the pandemic, but they're still asking for more money while people are also in this pandemic. Yeah, that's not fair. For not- people still sit there and go. If people really wanted to sit there and make a difference, they'd stop going. If you really wanted to put up a fight about what's, what the fuck's going on as far as uh, Disney goes, stop fucking going to the parks and tell them, listen, I'm not pay- if I'm paying full price for this, they get full park access. You don't have partial park ready. I pay partial price. I mean, even with Disney Plus, tons of people got it, but the fact that they felt the need to jump into the streaming market, even though, the, again, they're Disney. People are going to pay even when they don't want to pay for Disney shit. Now you have to create your own exclusive site just to put all, of course, all of the Disney princess movies and all the shit that people want to see anyway. Right. And adding an extra fee on top of the fact that you're already making money because it's your movies. It takes some real balls to be sitting there charging people for content that they already own on DVD and VHS and shit, you know? Just for the convenience of, let me just yeah. put this on television right now. Yeah. You know, they're Tom looking us right now. Disney's been Tom Nooking us before Tom Nook came out. <laughs> Doesn't Disneyland have their own cash? Like you have to buy Disney bucks and shit? Disney dollars, yes. Yeah, they're Tom Nooking us since forever. And we just let it happen. And then Nintendo made fucking <laughs> a game about Disney. <laughs> fucking us over and took us records. I had mentioned this to Feline earlier that people could hurt Disney in the theme parks. You know, because there's always going to be people who will pay for the experience of going to Disney World. But the question is, how many times are you going to continue to do it? Because when the prices keep going higher and higher, and sure they could add new attractions and whatnot, but the fact of the matter is, is that you put money down like $1,000 for a family of four to go and enjoy the theme park. But then after you've had that experience, and outside of the aforementioned things I was talking about with adding new attractions, how often... Are those same people going to come out and pay to relive that experience? You know what I mean? It's like they're going to get hurt at some point in their pockets when it comes to that. See, the thing is, too, and this is their fucked up little scheme, it's unreasonable that they continue to raise prices. And, like, trying to plan a trip to Disney World or Disneyland is already going to be a huge, like, financial undertaking. They could protest if it was just them. But if you have a child who is watching these movies, singing along to these songs, that's where they really, like, you know, get the people who don't want to spend the money. They got the to, hook in. Yeah, they got their hooks in. And that reason alone is why they don't need all these other properties because you already have the kid who's, like, going to be crying in the aisle when they pass by a Disney princess doll. Mentally conditioned. A dress. Any of that. Any of that. They already get the money damn near guaranteed. 
just from a child alone. Right. Disney needs to let, sit there and let people over the age of whatever to dress up as uh, some of the characters because I feel like they'd make a lot of money. People, it's one of the against the, the rules for them that they're not allowed to dress up as the people. And I get that because you don't want people to mistake them for the other people who are being paid to do that. But now people are coming up with their own like inventive ways to do it and that's nice, but that's also a bit of money that they're missing out on. Just saying. That too. And people like, love cosplay. People love cosplay hard. They have these kids who do grow up into like young adults who still love Disney, who are still attached to it and do spend money on like the merchandise, the Disney makeup palettes, you know? Yeah. All this extra shit that they're making money off of by themselves. Not for nothing. The Maleficent key ring necklace set that they had out at like a Hot Topic once before looked kind of dope. The same thing with the Ursula one, except I got sausage fingers so none of the rings would have fit. But the shit did look dope. <laughs> I think Sephora or CVS had a line of Disney makeup uh, what came out a few years back was like high quality makeup. That's what I mean. Like they can make yeah. so much money off of their properties alone just by presenting it in different forms. Like you want to appeal to like some older females, you do it in makeup and jewelry. They have wallets. They have like fancy shit colognes for men that are Disney themed and people will buy it because it's Disney themed. It's funny and ironic and hypocritical in a way that Disney is raising prices to their theme parks during the height of a pandemic but yet at the same time earlier in the year last year had the money to fund the expansion of Disney resort hotels on you know kind of expanding their footprint in the area so they had the money during a pandemic which we all know that they have anyway but they had right, that money. money. They had that money to fund these resorts, which cost millions of dollars to plan and develop and to build. Wasn't that after that little kid got eaten up by the alligator on their property? Yes. And they tried to claim like no bullshit that it wasn't their fault. You really had like one sign along the way with no proper gate to block an alligator whatsoever. And the motherfuckers just get then they wonder why a three year old gets snatched up underneath it and turned into a fucking midnight snack for an alligator. I've also heard stories. And I can't say for sure like how valid they are, but I've seen random things on the internet and you know, we all know the internet's hit or miss. But <laughs> I've seen things supposedly like if there's an accident that results in bodily harm or a fatality at Disney, they sometimes don't announce the death until they're off the property. Oh yeah, they'll move the body and then announce that the person died close to Disney premises. They've actually moved, physically moved bodies and cadavers. Do they have their own police force? Because well, <laughs> yeah, okay. you, you can't they, usually they, get away with that type of shit normally. Shit in there, I think. I think they actually have like a prison, like, like a prison, but like a jail cell type stuff in there for offenders and shit. All security at major theme parks have a holding cell until the actual police can come over there. But the, the idea is whenever there's a death that happens, you're not supposed to touch the body. And if you touch the body, you either have your own police force or you have some sort of deal with the local police force in order to do it without catching repercussions from it, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. The fact that like someone's loss comes as like a kind of afterthought to protecting your brand. To protect the happiest place on earth, quote unquote. Yes, they can't maintain the happiest place on earth if they have people dying on the property. If they had somebody hanging in the It's a Small World ride. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that, that sounds kind of detrimental to that title, you know what I mean? Exactly. I feel like they make people disappear in that park. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Disney Mafia. It's the, it's the family guy thing with the kidnapped lost kids and shit who can't find their family. Yeah. I stick them in the, the small world. <laughs> 
That's probably the reason why Minnie Mouse is going to wear a pantsuit. She's becoming the head of the mafia. Oh my god, people have such a problem with that, and I don't understand why. People have such a problem with desexualizing things that shouldn't be sexualized in the first place. Why a fictional character has is hurting your feelings because she put on a pair of pants. We're going to segue into the Am I the Asshole segment. What you got for us this time, Al? Alright, the options are daughter, ex-husband, husband, and friend. Friend. Alright. Am I the asshole for rushing to take care of my cat over my friend after a car accident? Yesterday, my friend and my cat, Yoshi, and I were in a horrible car accident. The car rolled twice and Yoshi was ejected from the busted back window mid-crash. It was horrible. In the first five seconds after coming to a stop, I checked my friend who was driving, myself, and immediately looked for Yoshi, seeing he wasn't in the car anymore. I jumped out of the car to find him in the middle of the road, terrified with cars stopped to avoid hitting him. I sprinted after him, got him, and sat with him on the side of the road, comforting him and seeing if he was hurt. My friend is a woman I had been kind of talking to. Just getting to know one another, she was absolutely not pleased about my instinctual reactions to the crash and how I just seemed to leave her a human to help Yoshi a cat. I honestly had no control over myself at the time, and I even inexplicably took off my shoes right after the crash, so I ran barefoot to go get Yoshi. I literally have no idea why I did that. We were very far from a hospital. We were both okay, it seemed. Yoshi also seemed okay, but in shock, and I was concerned he had internal injuries. My friend was upset that I wasn't going with her to the hospital, but rather to the vet first, and then meet up with her and another friend who was helping. She was not left alone at the hospital. After, um, and I plan on meeting them in the hospital after Yoshi got checked out. She made me feel bad for being so worried about a cat, even if he means a lot instead of myself. But I found the comment disingenuous and in a more subtle way to just make me feel bad about saving Yoshi instead of staying with her after the crash. Am I the asshole? Should I be more understanding of where she's coming from? Maybe I should have been more attentive after I got Yoshi. Okay, first question. Is this a male or a female? Uh, it doesn't say. Okay. It's kind of harder to decipher this without knowing that fact first because it makes it seem I like... So, Honestly? I, have a, I just literally lost a friend over, over me making a joke about the cats because he said they were by his cats and again... Yeah, that was ridiculous. but the thing about it is I'm saying that it's kind of hard to decipher a bit in terms of she took offense to it like there was supposed to be more of a relationship that was established between this female and this male friend or this female friend so i'm just trying to figure in which context this actually fits oh, okay. honestly that's I'm one assuming, thing i'm assuming it's a male because it he said just, i'm talking to kind it was of this person to. i was talking to yeah so in that kind of sense these days nowadays because this isn't recent post i think it's more of like we're just chatting maybe going to be fucking and eventually maybe talking about a relationship so it's probably one of those those multi-step type things that the youngins like to do now so i think that's what it is i mean we're gonna assume that if it's it's male as of right now we'll just do that honestly when presented it sounds funny but he assuming it's a he he did check on her they're both okay a cat got thrown out the window the most likely to be seriously injured would be the cat so checking on your cat it's not like he she needed him to go to the hospital with her if she was fine and she was just going to the hospital to make sure she was fine the only person who would be not benefiting from going to the hospital would be him because if he was also potentially injured he's not tending to his injuries right i would sit there and say that you're kind of an asshole because you're putting an animal ahead of a human being's life not to sit there and say that one is worth more than the other but generally it's accepted that a human life is more valuable than that of an animal but 
Yeah, as far as the seriousness of the injury, they didn't really specify how bad her injuries were, but the cat got thrown out the window. Now, if that was a person, clearly that would have been the worst. But the cat got thrown out of the window. Chances are cats land on their feet, depending on how much force there was when they accelerated, you know what I mean? And so the cat was frightened, sure. There's lots of big vehicles around it. You check on your cat, which you clearly have some sort of relationship with in terms of that's your companion. And of course, it's not a small thing to, you know, denigrate that there are people out there who don't have good human relationships, that they have a companion animal to have that type of love and, and care for and reciprocated. People just love their pets. So that's fine. Um, but the thing is, is that depending on how bad the injuries were for your friend that you're just talking to and using this thing, just talking to makes it sound like, okay, you guys don't know each other that well or for long. And you're putting that person's well-being below the cat. I can understand that the cat comes more in terms of the important scale because that's a family member, so to speak, versus someone you just started talking to no matter how long it's been. And it doesn't sound like it was long. But I feel like... You could have handled it better. Honestly, though, it sounded like he did check on her. And if she was fine... Yeah. It makes it sound like she nitpicked in the order of which it happened. But he still went to her first. He yeah. said, because obviously they were in the car together, he said he checked her and himself, and then he went looking for the cat. That sounds like, you know, the order was the way it was supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that either you... I mean, it didn't specify in the account, but it's like... You know, as soon as an accident happens, you'd be like, hey, you, you all right? You know, right. And they'd be like, yeah, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm fine. It's all right. I'm going to go check for the cat. I'll be right back. Yeah, you, that you know, sounds normal. That if he didn't say that, she took offense to that. And then if she took offense to that, then there's like, you know, there's a problem that you two clearly have to work out. Honestly, and also, I'm, it's probably just because of the type of person I am. But if you're fine, why are you complaining like I need to baby you? Like, if you're fine... You're a grown person and you're fine, like literally fine. Mm -hmm. Okay, I know you were in an accident, but we're both alive, well, and seemingly not needing any injuries that needs immediate attention because you're just going to the hospital for yourself, not because you need to go to the hospital. Yeah, it's just a checkup. Then what's the problem? So what, what it is is that if this is a situation like we're saying, it's, it's a male with a female he's just talking to, she's sitting there thinking he won't think of me or think of me as important as and then start comparing herself to the cat. And that'll create just all kinds of drama and that's red flags for people. If that person's already thinking that way anyway, then that's a red flag in and of itself to be 100. But it going at this as logically as I possibly can. Once the car accident happened, I checked myself, I checked the person, make sure they were able to get out of their seat and make it out of the car because I'm not going to drag somebody out unless I have to. If they're able to physically move and get out of the car by themselves, I'm then going to check on uh, my responsibility, which was the animal in the back. Once I find out the animal in the back is no longer gone, I will go out and look for the animal. I find the animal out on the street, I pick up the animal and bring it to me. Once I make sure the other person is out of the fucking car, my obligation to this person is fucking ended. Yeah. And I have to make sure this cat is fucking taken care of. So what I'm going to do is go drop my cat off to a hospital where it can be fucking seen and taken care of and then come to you afterwards to make sure that you're okay. I'm not picking one over the other. I'm going by logic fucking reason. I'm not going to be allowed in the goddamn hospital with this animal. I need to make sure that this animal that I've been taking care of and I, I apparently have feelings for, I need to take care of. Right. It sounds like a checklist, you know? You check on you, that you're okay, the person's okay, and then you look for your cat if your cat's not with you. Exactly. 
That's how I feel about it. But I know in this situation, people like to add in extra feelings and shit, and I can only be sympathetic and not empathetic. So I can only imagine that this is what this person is is, is thinking. This girl is going to sit there and be like, oh, well, he cares about more than that cat than he would me if we got into a relationship. And of course, because with cat people, my cat was here before you. Right, I feel like you should not be walking into any kind of relationship, see that someone has a pet and feel like you have to compete with the pet. Like, if you think you have to compete with a cat... the pet attacks you. <laughs> if you walk into a relationship and think you need to, like, fight for his love over the cat, you know, you're probably mixing up your priorities, man. And the last thing I would like to, like, question in this whole scenario is what was the cat doing in the car? <laughs> Do you take your cat on dates normally? I mean, yeah, that would be questionable too. Thinking like, about that, I think <laughs> about that. I don't think I'd be able to go on a date with somebody that brought their cat with them. Because then that almost makes it sound like there's an extra obsessive level. But at least, at the very least, he did check on her. We're not going anywhere to eat because I'm not having cat hair in my food. I don't know. I don't know what the situation is. Lastly, we have the In This Corner of the Universe segment where we're just going to run off brief updates on some of the projects going on in the world of fandom. Uh, PlayStation Plus promo language recently changed between February's game offerings and January's. It changed from for PS Plus members to available this month at no extra cost. Now, the belief behind this is that it's quite possibly a change in service the rumors have been that they're adding new tiers in order to add possible backwards compatibility with previous console generation cycles. It's to rob us of money. So it's a matter of making it seem like they're making those changes pretty soon just to compete with the Game Pass. After 50 years, Sega sells its remaining shares to Genda, exiting the arcade business officially. They said that Ooh. uncertainty around the pandemic as the chief reason for doing so. Um, but it is still at the end of the day a end of an era seeing as Sega arcade machines like come on cruising USA those types of things had you know like prevalence there I was unstoppable in the cruising world look at all them games the death of arcades is a really sad thing it's literally like watching the world change especially in Japan like their arcades were such a huge like that was definitely a tourist thing it was like a landmark damn near now that's not to sit there and say the arcades still don't exist in in uh, Japan because they still do. It's just that they will be missing the Sega branding from now on. Probably one of the only big name backers of arcade machines that you now lost. So I think that only leaves Konami and maybe a few others that are minor. Sega just being historically an arcade company and especially when they sort of got downgraded from like console competition. Which they only ever entered because they were successful in the arcade business. It's a sad thing, man. Uh, James Gunn says that Guardians 3 will be the end for this iteration of the Guardians team. It will be bigger and darker and different than fans may expect. Ooh, I'm happy about that. New rumor suggests that Sasha Dewan's master will return in the Doctor Who regeneration episode for 13, which is also rumored. Sasha Dewan, the most recent incarnation of the master. Oh, okay. And supposedly the director for the episode, who confirmed that Jodie Whittaker has filmed her regeneration scene already, that this regeneration is going to be slightly different than before. But it seems like the only detail that was revealed was that it's not happening inside the TARDIS like recent regenerations have. I want Missy back. Oh, Missy, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. Hey, Missy. Missy was great. Hey, Missy was my favorite master incarnation. Oh my god. I love it. I love it. I love it. 
A French retailer has put a sign in their window for people buying PlayStation 5 consoles and accessories, stating that you may want to second guess your console buying choice because Microsoft just bought Activision Blizzard. They're trying to throw shade. It's maybe making saying you guys are buying a dying ship, so to speak. It, it, that's that's the way it kind of sounds. You know that that's what they listen. Do. Listen, yeah. your business is just to sell the shit. Keep your opinions out of it. <laughs> Fine. You know, can I just say I want the purple skins for the PS5? I want, I want a Galactic I want purple. I want it. I want it so bad, I'm drooling over it. I and I don't know if it's a dying uh, shit when people are literally scrambling to buy one. Facts. Yo, not enough chips to make enough. Everybody and their grandmama want them. You can't even have, yo, like people can't have nobody over the house outside for the pandemic because they just be fearing that they steal the PS5. I would too. I had nobody in my house. I don't need them to know. And lastly, Chris Brown has been accused of drugging and raping a woman that was listed in a $20 million lawsuit that this Jane Doe has filed. The way this apparently occurred was per documents filed on January 27th in Los Angeles County Court and seen by People Magazine, the 32-year-old singer is accused of inviting this woman onto a yacht docked at Diddy's home in Miami Beach under the assumption that she and he would discuss her musical aspirations. The woman, who is a musician, model, dancer, and choreographer, alleges that she and Brown chatted about her music before he had given her a mixed drink that she believes was drugged due to her quote-unquote sudden, unexplained change in consciousness. She then alleges that Brown threw her on the bed and proceeded to rape her. She also claims that the very next day, Brown texted her to say that he did not remember their encounter well and told her to take emergency contraception just in case, which she ended up doing. She states that she met up with Brown twice more after their initial encounter to discuss music, once in January 2021, where a female producer was this time present, and again in August 2021. During that encounter at his home, the artist allegedly became irate when she refused to go upstairs with him to his bedroom. She says she experienced a great deal of emotional distress after her initial meeting with the singer, including panic attacks, and is now suing him for $20 million for charges that include sexual assault, battery, and rape. Now, of course, he has not commented on this situation. However, in a since-expired Instagram story posted on January 28th, he wrote, Whenever I'm releasing music or projects, they, quote-unquote, and capitalized, try to pull some real bullshit. Can I say Chris. Um, <laughs> that, first and foremost, I am one to believe everybody until we can sit there and prove. I've been a bit of a victim myself. I believe. I want to believe. My problem is, is that when shit comes out, like the bitch that's trying to uh, sue Drake because he put hot sauce in the condom and she shoved it up her twat, thinking she was going to try to trap him. When shit comes out like this, it's a fucking problem because it makes everybody else like, this bitch is coming out for money. And the problem is, is that she should not have gone back. Her going back will give them legal precedent to be like, clearly it wasn't a fucking problem because she went twice back. As much as, like, I want to say, yeah, don't go back. Don't. I don't want to say this is a good thing, but if that was her best chance at finding success in music that she wanted, this is how there has been a history of men trapping women because that's their only real option if they want to, like, succeed. Not the sexual act, but having to turn to them anyway, despite being uncomfortable, despite unwanted advances. Only now, in, like, more recent times, has it become a thing for the companies to fear that women can come out and say something that can damage you? Because before, they weren't really being listened to. Or if they- believed, yeah. Yeah, you weren't believed. Or you're a single small voice, you're 
complaints, your accusations are just going to get thrown away and never heard about again. Even big stars too, Zoe Saldana sat there and said some shit about it too during one of the casting calls. It is unfair. And no, I feel like I personally wouldn't go back. Like nothing is going to make me go back. But I know a lot of people probably feel like if this is the only shot that they have, at a successful career in this business or in this media that they would have to. But like, I don't know what triggered the lawsuit recently. If the initial and most violent sounding one happened first before initial encounters later. But that's the thing too. I feel like I don't want to say anyone's lying either because there's way too many people who get away with shit because people make assumptions and try to make accusations on victims because a victim needs to be further degraded, I guess. But Trey Songs is one of them too. Trey Songs has a lot of people coming out about him. But it always does seem to be a thing that causes a lot of questions and like hesitancy to believe people when someone doesn't say something until someone else does or after a long period of time. I know in some cases it can be something like you didn't want to talk about it in like someone else's bravery to talk about it inspires you. I don't know. I'm just, it's always a weird thing to talk about because like I just know me myself, I'm so spiteful. I'd be talking shit nonstop if anything ever happened. I'd be <laughs> talking so much shit. But I know for some people, they don't always have, like if she's a choreographer and she works with him specifically, there might not be an easy way for her to make these accusations or like bring up a lawsuit if her job is dependent on something or if she feels like she wasn't in a strong enough position to have enough evidence. Or even sometimes, unfortunately, they start to doubt themselves because of like, how funny people are about like, oh, well, did you say you didn't want to do stuff? Like, were any people will try to turn the story around on you. So was, I feel like that also infects women's ability to come forward because now they'll be like, well, did I tell him explicitly no? Even though, we should, you know, you don't have to do that. You, unless you say yes, everything else is a no. Unless you know that mentally and physically for sure, you did not come there with that intention for that to occur, then there's nothing for you to blame yourself on. There's no subliminal messages that you gave, nothing to suggest opposite of what you were there for. She sounded like she was an up and coming person, which means that she didn't have the sway or name recognition, and she was clearly there to get a foothold in the business, which means that she was already going into an intimidating setting. And so she clearly was going to be suggestible to whatever was going to occur there, whether she had wanted it or not. And understand that it's going to be hard to come out with this type of story because one, you could be heavily embarrassed. Two, you might feel like you're hurting your possible chances at breaking into the business because your first go of it is an accusation against one of the industry's biggest stars. Yeah. And also the, the harsh, harsh victim blankets could be happening in all fronts, be from the internet. Exactly. As well as the attorneys are going to be setting up to, to, to try to make it as if she knew what the fuck was going on and her willingness to come back any sequential number of times is just her agreeing to do it. It's just frustrating. It's always frustrating, especially being a female. Like, there's no way for you to win. You can be strong. You can come out, make your accusations, try to get the people who did this. But honestly, a lot of times, unfortunately, they get away with it. Or you have to deal with people talking shit nonstop about you because everyone needs to put in their two cents on your life. Yo, Bill Cosby sat there and did very little time and then got released, even though. There's mountains of evidence and people and witnesses stating that, yeah, 
he actually did this. And we did it because this was the culture in the 80s. But it's just not okay. But he did it. And he did do this shit. And he still got off. He still got let out. Didn't he get let out because, uh, supposedly, is because he was up there in age and was failing health or some shit? Oh, I don't know. But they let people die in jail all the fucking time. I don't see why he's so fucking special. I was just talking to Spade about this, but I don't understand why there's a statute of limitations on rape. Because, honestly, the type of men that do this are likely to do it again. And them getting away with it is only going to encourage that kind of behavior. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is when it gets exposed for people who are popular, it either turns into people try to word it as, oh, if more people come out, then they're bandwagging and just trying to get his money. Or they're not believing that he's been all this. And then they're just like, well, where the fuck have you been? Why didn't you come out earlier? Why didn't you say anything? And then it becomes, you know, just more victim blaming. And they don't want to believe it. Do you know how long, like, R. Kelly got, got away with his shit for so fucking long. And it's not until recently where all so many fucking collective victims came out that motherfuckers was believing this shit. And like, yeah, he he had a fucking physical video of him peeing on a minor. When they bobbed him and arrested him, they found he had a, a duffel bag full of porn. Of all the girls that he had locked up in his place and shit like that. All videos and shit. Because he liked to record his work. The thing is, too, anytime a woman makes such an accusation, she's always going to get called a liar by someone. Especially, especially when it comes to celebrities or influencers or whoever the fuck is making money just because people follow them. Yeah. Yeah. They need to be held to the same standard as any fucking person is. I don't give a fuck what you do or how many people pay attention to you. You're a person, you're liable to the same law, and if you violate another human being's rights, in no matter what form it takes, you should be held accountable. You should do the time that that crime accrues. I agree wholeheartedly. It's always been that David versus Goliath struggle when it comes to the vitriol that comes as soon as sexual impropriety accusation comes from a female to a male power. It's uh, unfortunately a tale as old as time. With that, we wrap up this week's episode. Tune in next week for what we'll discuss next. If you like the show, please bestow us a follow, and you can leave us questions, comments, and the like wherever you listen to us on, or shoot us an email at phantomsculturemurder at gmail. Bye! Y'all stay safe. Later.